believe and we are so thankful that we have this faith. And it's from you that we get everything in this world, every morsel of food, every bit of encouragement, every experience of love, true love comes from you. And so since we look to you for goodness, God, we approach you in a time of pain and heartache because the world is not the way it should be. And there, there is so much left to do. But we know that through your power, Lord, we can bring about good things, that, that despite our weaknesses, you can make us strong. And so, God, in this time, we seek your voice, your voice of healing and hope to speak deeply to our souls and to restore us and to put us back on the path so that we can be your hands and feet to those in need. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Please have a seat. Good morning. And thank, I'm thankful for this band. Are you guys so thankful for this just offering and gift that they do every week? It's awesome. Uh, and, and are there some people here? I'm not going to make you stand up, but are there some people here who are already back for Thanksgiving? Have you got people staying at your house already? I see like reunions happening here on Sunday. It's so cool. And, we're, and some of you have gone away and you're coming back here for this Thanksgiving experience. I love how everybody comes together. Now, this last week, something great, 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 great happened. Every single day, by the, outside my corner office, the cross-country running team runs past my window. And then I hear them stopping because there's a little uh, spigot they drink water out of in the back. And I've, I, for two years, I've said, I wish we could just put a water fountain out there and bless them, let them know. We want them, we want to encourage them on their journey. Well, so one of my neighbor, uh, one of the kids in my neighborhood is on that cross-country team. I saw him yesterday and he said, you wouldn't believe what happened. We went to the CIF section finals for Division I and Paso Robles High School won first place. All the boys team. Isn't that amazing? You can believe that? That is so great. So big shout out to our Paso Robles High School cross-country team. And Katie, are you kind of a cross-country coach a little bit mm -hmm, in your spare time? So, you know, those are some of the kids you know, right? That, that's so cool. I just put that together. She's always, she's always um, she, she run down the hallway, she come out of the bathroom, she's wearing cross-country clothes, and, and we just ate a burger. And she's like, I'm going to, going to do cross-country with the kids. So that's kind of exciting, isn't it? And what also was cool is yesterday, the... the um, the teenagers, middle school and high schoolers of our church put on a car wash and they were standing out on Niblick waving uh, signs and trying to raise funds so that they could go on this awesome camp. It's called Hume Lake. And so the middle schoolers and high schoolers raised about $400 yesterday. And, and it was because some of them could pay all the way, but they knew that if everyone was going to go, they would need to work together to make sure everybody could get the opportunity to go to camp. So it was just that spirit of unity was so cool. And so just a big shout out to those amazing kids who worked so hard washing cars. My car got washed and it was a good job. And then another thing happened this week. We went to the middle schools, like we told you, Flamson Middle School and Lewis Middle School in Paso Robles with this campaign that Highland started back in 2009 called Smash Out Hunger. And this is what it looked like. It, it'll, you'll be so excited when you see it. like about Smash Out Hunger? Shirts! Sure. It brings joy to people, I guess. Yeah, they bring, they bring food to everyone. It's a good um, experience, opportunity, and just and fun and great overall. 
middle school students in Paso Robles are helping local families in need through a food drive that's unlike any other. So far, the drive has filled an entire van of food. Students have also raised nearly $600. Organizers estimate Smash Out Hunger has raised more than $15,000 since 2009. Working with our local uh, community, making sure that we're raising money for the hungry and uh, in Paso, and it's just great for our kids to get out here and see, give back to your community. <laughs> Yeah! I'm telling you, I, I, I was smiling so much. It was such a great experience. And that is a ministry that we're participating in there. And it's cool thinking about these kids who, some of them for the first time, are thinking about how they can help those people who don't have any food for their table or to feed their families. And I can imagine, it was probably like when I was a kid. Did you guys do this stuff like this? You'd go home and say, Mom, Dad, can we donate cans? And my parents just said, open up the cupboard and just take whatever you, just take it all, take as much, because I know that there's going to be more for tomorrow for us. And I just, when you experience that, that moment, when you just kind of clean out the shelves and you see your parents have that faithfulness and just go, it's okay, just get rid of it. We'll have, we'll be okay. And um, there's something that you learn about the truth of the gospel, what Jesus wanted us to live out in this world. It's just been such a good week. So Thanksgiving is here. And um, the big question I want to ask you is the big one behind me. Um, what is it that you worry about the most? What is it that you worry about the most? So, um, so there's actually a, a company, apparently this is what they do for a living. They ask people questions like this. They're in Britain. And um, this British company called UK Aging, they asked this question of people. And they found out the five things that people worry about the most. What do you think the number one is? Anybody guess? Family feud. Money. Yep, money. Everybody knew that one right away. All right. The second thing, it gets a little different. The next one is health. They worry about their health. Like, it might, like... Uh, I might be sick. You know, like, I guess they worry about that all the time. Um, I, I don't worry about that. Um, I know I'm unhealthy. I'm just, I've just come to live with it. I'm okay with that. <laughs> the other thing that people worry about is getting older, which I feel like is a very, very terrible thing to worry about all the time because every second you get older, right? Like, it would just, it, it would just be a terrifying minute for somebody who's worried about getting older constantly, right? <laughs> Like, that was not something that I worry about. Another one is work stress, which I think is also strange because I think work could be stressful enough to actually worry about work stress is actually not really productive either. It's just like, okay, now I'm, gonna, now I'm not just stressed out at work. Now I'm going to worry about the stress that I have at work. Okay, the last one is, um, is gaining weight. Now, I do worry about this. And do you know how I worry about it? I eat. I'm like, I'm like, I need some potato chips because I'm so worried that I'm going to gain weight. Oh my gosh, it's just stressing me out. It's called stress eating. It's delightful. Um, <laughs> ben and Jerry's, I should have invested money in that company years ago. <sighs> I can tell you all the flavors. I know what's in every single... Jesus talked about 
worries. Someone came to him in the midst of thousands of people and brought a worry. Amen. And um, this, is, this is what the scripture is. Uh, she says, get on with it. We know where you're going. So Luke chapter 12, verse 1. This is what it says. It says, when a crowd of thousands upon thousands had gathered so that they were crushing each other. Now, by the way, the, the author, the writer was thinking, if I just write in thousands, it doesn't really illustrate what was happening at the time. It's thousands, and then imagine thousands on top of those thousands. That's how many people, and they're crushing each other. So Jesus began to speak first to his disciples. Now, I don't know, have you ever been to a concert where there's a crushing crowd, like there's, that, 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 that's pressing in on you? And it's a terrifying experience because you know if you fall down, you could get trampled, you could die. Um, concerts are like that. Or if there's, a, if, if, for example, a really terrible football game and everybody wants to get to their car soon to get, or whatever, you know, like there's just this pushing that happens. And why do people push? Because they want to be first, right? It's, a, it's the me first mentality. I'll put myself before everybody else. And, and there's also a sense that, you know, is kind of weird in like leaving a stadium, right? People are like, I got to get to my, I got to get out of this parking lot before everybody else. There's a sense that you won't get out. But, but that's kind of what's happening here. This, this image should be in your mind of these people fighting each other to get to Jesus, which is ironic because Jesus would be like, relax. So he teaches his disciples for 11 verses, and then this is what happens. It says someone, in verse 13, someone from the crowd came to him, uh, said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Okay, this one little sentence tells us a lot about this person, doesn't it? Thousands of, thousands of people are trying to get to Jesus, and what does this guy have to ask him about? He asks him about money, exactly. And you can imagine how broken this person's um, this life is. I mean, can you imagine what the Thanksgiving dinner table looks like for this guy? It's probably something a little bit like this, right? This is, this is, this is like, tell, tell my brother to give me my share of my hamburger. You know, like I, I need my food. I, I, and so the next thing that Jesus says, I want to forewarn you is a little weird to me. It was until things happened this week. This is what Jesus said. It says, Jesus said to him, man, um, who appointed me as a judge or referee between you and your brother? Okay, so I thought that was a strange thing to say. Like, Jesus is like, leave me out of it. Which I thought was strange until my four-year-old and my six-year-old and my three-year-old were coming to me about five times this week and saying, Daddy, do you know what the other kid did? And guess what my answer is? Did, did you t talk to them about it? Did, did, did you say, did you, did, have you said anything to them? Have you asked them? You know, have, have they said Sorry. You know, that's the same thing here at the church. Since I've been here, uh, probably two people or three people have come up to me and said, you know, I have a problem with this other person, right? And what do I say? Did you talk to him about it? Because I don't want to be a part of it. I want you to first make sure that you go to the other person. That's what the Bible tells us in Matthew. It says, Jesus says, if you have a problem with another person, who do you talk to? That person. You don't talk about other people about what you, the problem you have with that person. You talk to that person. And so Jesus says, leave me out of it. And the other thing that I think is important to know is that there are times in our world where we tend to put possessions over people, right? Possessions first, people second. Inheritance, brotherhood. This man's more concerned about the inheritance than he is about the brokenness in his relationship with his brother. And, and, and I actually think that this is a symptom this is a symptom. So, you know, a symptom would be like a headache, right? If you're sick, a symptom is, oh, I have a bad headache. So then the doctor then goes and 
addresses the symptom. For a year, you get uh, pills so that it takes care of your headaches. But then a year later, you find out that what was causing the headaches was a brain tumor, right? And so what should have been happening? Not addressing the symptoms, but something the, the whole time, you should have been taking care of the cause, the root cause, that, that underlying problem, not just the symptom. And so a lot of times I think you need to understand that Jesus is really concerned about attack, uh, uh, addressing the inside stuff when we are concerned about the outside stuff. We're concerned about the presenting problems. We're concerned about the symptoms. And Jesus says, I want to address the main issue that's going on right here. This is a great opportunity to teach. So then the Bible says that Jesus said to him or to them, watch out, guard yourself against all kinds of greed. Now, by the way, did you ever know that there were different kinds of greed? That's what Jesus says. Jesus says there's not just one kind of greed. There's lots of kinds. And are any of them good? No. Watch out for all of them. That's what Jesus says. And he says, after all, one's life is not determined by one's possessions, even when someone is very wealthy. If you're going to write down something today, if you're going to underline something today, underline that sentence, one's life is not determined by one's possessions. But we don't really believe it, do we? Really. I mean, because inside of our minds, we hear Jesus saying that, but we know that we, when we talk about someone, what was that guy's name again? Oh, it's the guy that lives in that house, the big house on top of the hill, Right? Oh, what was that girl? I don't know who the girl you're talking about. Can you describe her a little bit more? Oh, she's the one that drives the blue Ferrari. Oh, I definitely know who you're talking about. Oh, what about that family? Now, you're telling me about this family. I can't really, I can't really picture them. Which one are they? They're the one that's living in their car. And we hear these descriptors. We hear these, these, these proclamations over our life. And we tend to think that our identity is attached to what we possess. That somehow, if we gain lots of stuff, like a trophy for having won first place at the CIF sectionals, that then our identity is attached to that trophy or that accomplishment or that achievement. And that's a terrible, terrible reality to start living in. Because when you lose those things, when you lose the next race, when you lose the possession of the title or the object, then suddenly you lose your identity. The Bible tells us to have our identity rooted in Jesus Christ. That's it. I love that Jesus also says, after all, one's life isn't determined by one's possessions. He says, and that's true for even really rich people, just in case you were thinking that wasn't you. And then it goes on to say, then he told them a parable, which means a story. Jesus always taught in stories. And this is the story that he told them. A certain rich man's land had produced a bountiful crop. And he said to himself, what will I do? I have no place to store my harvest. And then he thought, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Perfectly good barns. I'm just going to tear them down and big, build bigger ones. And that's where I'm going to store all my grain and all my goods. And I'll, by the way, who is the principal subject of all of his conversations? himself. You don't hear a single worry about one other person in his life, do you? It's all about my stuff, my stuff, and me. I'll say to myself at that point, you have stored up plenty of goods enough for several years. Take it easy. You know, take it easy. That's a, those are good words. Someone should put that into a rock and roll song, don't you think? Take it easy. That would be great. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, fool, tonight your life is going to be demanded of you. You're going to die. Now, who will get the things that you have prepared for yourself? This is the way it will be for those who hoard things for themselves and aren't rich toward God. 
Wow. So this week is one of my favorite weeks. It's my favorite, vaca- my favorite um, holiday because Christmas does feel like presents have just kind of crept into all of that. But, but, um, but this one's all about eating, so that's why it's my favorite. <laughs> but not really. It's, it's all about connecting with other people um, and, and drawing other people to your table. And, and, and also, I love that serenity. You know that moment? Do you guys pray at your dinner tables for Thanksgiving? Now, I've been to some Thanksgiving dinners where not everybody has faith, and it's kind of, it's kind of that daring, gutsy thing, but you also want to be delicate with it, where you, you, you're the person who says, can we pray before the food tonight? You don't want to be bossy or rude, but to then to have those people and gather around, and then to proclaim just good things like, thank you. Thank you for these people in my life. Thank you for this that we have. I love those moments. And you can see someone kind of taking all of the things they said, oh, that's church, that's church, and then they just kind of, no, this, this is, that's worship around those tables. Then my favorite thing to do is to have people go around the table and say what they're thankful for. Do you, you guys got into that little tradition? It's kind of like, oh, here it comes, but it's always sweet, you know? There's always some little thing, and all the adults say these things, and some little kid is like, I'm thankful for Jesus, and they're like, all right, we're losers. Anyway, um, <laughs> Make us all look bad, why don't you? Um, but you know, <laughs> no, it's not, it's not. It's, so, it's, it's a beautiful experience. And you have this serene moment where you're all just hanging out and, and, and experiencing life together and there's not a need or care in the world. You just feel like you're full, like, like you realize that God has given you all that you need. And then the next day is called Black Friday when you go crazy and you fight against each other so you can get TVs and you try to get there earlier and you go, I don't have enough. And if I don't get there at three o'clock in the morning, then we might not have enough presents for this year. No, right? (laughs) It's true. It's just true. It's like weird. Like first day, oh, we have everything we need, God. We're so thankful for what you've done in our life. It's so perfect. How could we ever want anything more than this? More, you know, we gotta have more. (laughs) We don't have enough. Ah! <laughs> like, like you're judging those people, but you wish you were one of them, right? I mean, like that is sweet. Those people are just grabbing TV. It's like, TVs. That's so great. Who doesn't need a new TV? Because you need bigger TVs or big, better TVs, whatever. They need to talk to you. I can't wait. They have a TV that talks back. That's great. Or a TV I can operate. That would be even better. You know, one I can actually figure out how to use. Whoa. It'll be like this box, and, and, and you won't have a control. You'll walk across the room and turn a little dial and move the antennas, and you're like, that's amazing. You don't pay a cable bill? No, it's free. What? That's crazy. I want one of those. And look, they got rid of the color. Who, who need, you didn't need color anyway. It was stupid. All those years we got tricked. Do you guys feel like you have enough? I mean, I know that you could say it now, but on some level, I think every person understands this message because there is a sense that you, 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 maybe your life is, is slipping away from you. You're getting old and you feel like, gosh, I, I don't feel like I did everything I could have done or should have done, and, and I'm, I'm worried that I don't, I'm not going to get enough out of this life. Or, or maybe, maybe you just don't feel like you have enough time at work, or maybe you don't have enough time with somebody that you really, really love and you, and, and you would love to spend more time with. There's this sense that we don't have enough, but then there's also this, like, this flip to it of contentedness. Now, I, I experience this sense of not having it enough and not having enough, and, and it's, just, it's in an area that you could probably guess, food, right? So I have this kind of narrative that runs in the back of my head 
when I'm eating a meal. And I look at the meal and I think, what if it's the last meal I eat for a week? So I think, I have to eat enough food for three days. So in case there's a famine, I'm the last one alive. And it's true. And so it's not overt. I don't like think that or speak it. I don't run into, but I, I, in the back of my head, I feel like, you know, maybe I'm not going to get enough food later today. So I just need to make sure I get enough food now. But everybody has some little area of their life where they just don't feel like they have enough. Like you feel, you have the bills come in. You go, oh, if I just had more. If I just had more, then, then everything would be solved. Or maybe there was an inheritance issue and you just feel like, you know what? Gosh, why did that person get the inheritance and I didn't get it? I just feel like if I had had that, my life would have been better and it would have been this the right thing to do. So we have these things that, that break our relationships with each other and they cause us to, to, to live out these lives of worry and fear. Do you know, I pray that this verse means more to you than you've ever heard it before because now you know how Jesus led into it with a guy coming to him and saying, give me my share of my brother's inheritance. This is what Jesus said. He said these words to his disciples. Therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. There's more to life than food and more to the body than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither plant nor harvest. They have no silo or barn, yet God feeds them. You are worth so much more than birds. Who among you by worrying can add a single moment to your life? If you can't do such a small thing, why worry about the rest? You can't even add a moment, so why are you worrying about everything else? Notice how the lilies grow. They don't wear themselves out with work and they don't spin cloth. But I say to you that even Solomon in all of his splendor wasn't dressed like one of these. Solomon. Do you know that Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon, is the richest person who is alive today? And even if he continues at his rate of wealth, there's no, he'd need 300 years of living to come close to Solomon's wealth. So Jesus is talking about the greatest, richest person that ever lived on the face of the earth doesn't even come close to a little flower is what Jesus says. All that work, all that toil, and the little flower is more beautiful. And it says, if God dresses the grass in the field so beautifully, even though it's alive today and tomorrow, it's thrown into the furnace, it's, it's, the lawnmower comes and takes it away. How much more will God do for you, you people of weak faith? Don't chase after what you will eat and after what you will drink. Stop worrying. No, hear that? No, right now. Just stop it. Stop worrying. Take a deep breath. Stop it. Jesus says stop. Stop worrying. All the nations of the world long for these things. Your Father knows you need them. Instead, desire his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. I love this. This is where God says, you do your job, I'll do mine. Your job is to seek after the kingdom. I'll do my job of providing you everything that you need. Everything. There's not going to be a single thing you need in your life. Isn't that beautiful? Don't be afraid, Jesus says, little flock, because your father delights in giving you the kingdom. Wait, you mean God just gives us the kingdom? He just makes the things that we're seeking after happen in our life? Sell your possessions, Jesus says, and give to those in need. Make for yourselves wallets that don't wear out. I get a wallet every single year because it's always worn out. This is a wallet that doesn't wear out. Jesus says the wallet that doesn't wear out is a treasure in heaven. Never runs out. 
No thief comes near there and no moth destroys. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be too. You ever heard that? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be too. They say that if you look at a person's bank account, you can see what they care about really. They can say, oh, I care about this, I care about that. But if it's not reflected in the treasure, then it's probably not authentic. Jesus wants us to invest in other people, to put people over possessions for once, to start to think about what's more important, the accumulation or, or, or the sharing. I like to think of this as putting, uh, putting, let's see what it is. It's not about what you accumulate. It's what you're able to invest yourself into. It's not about um, gaining wealth in your life. It's about investing into relationships and finding your wealth in the things that don't deteriorate. They don't fall apart. The other thing that I want you to know is that God provides. When you say that prayer around the Thanksgiving table, I pray that you do this not just at your Thanksgiving table, but maybe you could make a commitment to do it at every meal you have. It's something that Christians have always done because we want to remind ourselves where the food comes from. That God, this came from you and we're so thankful for it and we couldn't have gotten it without you. You have just given it to it as a gift. Thank you, God. And the last thing is ashes to ashes and dust to dust. Can you say that with me? Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. Maybe when you um, are encountering some area of brokenness in your life and you find yourself putting the possession first or, or, or identifying another person's life according to their possessions or even your own, just saying those words, ashes to ashes and dust to dust, might be a comforting thing for you to say. I think that those people that were... Um, they saw their whole entire community called paradise, right? Consumed by flames. They know it more than we do. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. I had people after worship saying that they have friends and family members, cousins that have lost everything, boats, trailers, everything. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. And what is the most alarming statistic for most people is not the houses that were lost, but we all just stop in our tracks when we realize that there was life lost. That's the number we watch and say, why? Because you know that there's some people that are sitting there with a hole, a, a missing space at the dinner table this year. And, and, and then there's other people who have everyone around the dinner table and they're just saying, you know what, thank you for what we have and recognizing that's all that matters the relationships, the, the friendships, the love that we have for one another. And even when there is that space of, uh, that's missing and all, all things have turned to ashes, all things have turned to dust, the truth is that, there's, that we have this gift of Jesus Christ that we can plant our feet on. But it never goes away. Jesus is always there supporting us. It's a secure foundation. And we'll never fall into the sea, as Jesus said in another parable. We'll always be there. This last week, my wife, she's so compassionate. She, she's so loving. She's just wanting to care for people. She saw that a friend uh, was from Paradise, and she contacted them online and said, is there anything that we can do to help? And she said, oh, yeah, you can help with these things. And 
that. And then she got together with her women's group and other people from the church helped out. And now she's actually left early. Um, I've got a dog in my office, pray right now. There's my, the dogs in my office and the three kids. So I got the dog and the three kids. I see how this works out. But she has, a, she has because her car is so full of stuff, the other people were just like, I'm going to open the barn doors. I'm just going to open it. And all of that stuff I've been storing up, I know I was going to buy something on Black Friday, that extra little thing I'm getting, but that is now going to be transferred into a treasure I'm placing in heaven, into a person's life who needs that love and goodness. And so she's going up there, and she, I'm, I'm just worried that she can see out the side mirrors of her car because it's so filled with generosity and love and kindness. And this is the gospel. And those kids in middle school saw it and experienced it this week. And it's addictive. It's so amazing to experience this thing called life that you see happening in other people and to, and to hug them and to embrace them in their times of difficulty and to walk alongside them. See, this is what Jesus says. You just focus on those things. Just drive forward with the mission. I've had people here say that, hey, you know what, James, you need to stop worrying. Just drive forward with the mission and God will give us what we need. Right? That's real. Do you know Liam Hemsworth? That's, you don't because his brother's the better actor. But he's, he, sorry, but he, he, he did a post this last week and this was what really caught my attention. At the top it says, um, it's been a heartbreaking few days. This is what's left of my house. And then he wrote one sentence, just love, period, love. I think we need to hear this. All of our houses will turn to dust. Everything in our world will turn to dust. But what will remain is love. That's what will be left. And that love is something you can hold on to. It's something you can embrace. It's something you can extend. Have you ever seen the, um, have you ever seen the little cemetery over in Cambria? Or is it Cambria? Yeah, just up the hill. There's like a little cemetery up there. And they have the oldest tombstones. It's so, I love going there because it's quiet and there's not a lot going on. They're not like selling things there. There's not Black Friday sales there. You know, it's it's very peaceful space. But if you go up to the oldest tombstones, what is it like? What, what do they look like? Like the families have inscribed the names of their loved ones on there and they think, oh, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure that this, this lasts. But does it? No. You can barely read the names. And, and a lot of them are just, just stones. As ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But do you know what those families also probably invested in? Loving their neighbor, caring for those who are sick, walk, visiting the prisoners in prison and, and going out of their way to extend kindness and generosity to other people. And you know what? That rippled forward into our lives. And I guarantee you there's people in this congregation who are here, you don't even know it, as a testimony to the love that people invested into their communities. And so Jesus says, you don't worry about my job, which is to provide for you. You focus on your job, which is to love the world. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. We can think about all the stuff that would complete this experience right now. All the other places we could be, all of the other moments we could have, but right now we have so much in this room 
through the power of your spirit, we have this family. Each one of us has a hundred people in this room that would, that would go, that would move heaven and earth just to communicate your love to us, to embrace us in our time of need. And so God, may we hold fast to that and may we not just hoard all of those good things that we receive into our life and all of this good news, but we, may we be the people this week that bust open the barn doors and say, I'm not going to make this life about me, and I'm not going to be making this about taking it easy, but I'm going to extend this blessing to the world around me in every way possible. And Lord, may we be keenly aware of the ways in which this world tries to trick us into thinking that we are in control, but may we, may we rest in the, in the assurance that you are in control, and you are sufficient, and you are so loving, and you care more about us or about our loved ones than we've ever been able to even comprehend. So God, we praise you, and we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.